for this week's episode, our sister shout out goes to Miss Ernestine Shepherd, an 82 year old bodybuilder and Baltimore native. She's actually the oldest female bodybuilder to compete. And it's interesting because she didn't start working out actually until she was 56 years old. She wanted to get into an outfit for a special event like we all want to do. And she started to work out for that and she just continued. So almost 30 years later, Ernestine is going and she's going strong. And I saw a recent picture of her and she looks amazing. I mean, she has the six pack or the eight pack. She's in good shape, she's beautiful and she's healthy. So shout out to Ernestine Shepherd. Good evening. This is Melinda with Seven Sisters Speaks. We're here with Dr. Barbara Hutchinson, a cardiologist practicing in Annapolis, Maryland. And since this is February, Heart Awareness Month, we thought it would be a great idea to have an expert come and talk to us about just the heart disease in women, particularly African-American women. And so, Dr. Hutchinson, thank you for allowing us to talk to you this evening. If you would, just give us a little background about yourself and what made you decide to go into the field of cardiology. Thank you, thank you for having me. Well, my love, or I should say my curiosity in cardiology came as a child when I noticed that in my family, and as I looked at my parents, one parent had a strong family history of heart disease, and another parent was fairly healthy. And so that curiosity led me as a child to try to figure out why this was, because my parents, they lived in the same area, Mm. and that they ate the same things, you know, and that curiosity led me to always want to be a cardiologist to find out why the prevalence in some families and not in others. Wow, that's interesting. And how long have you been in practice? I've been in practice for over, hmm, almost 20 years. Wow. Yes. And I'm sure it's been rewarding. What would you say the most rewarding part of being a cardiologist is? I think the most rewarding thing to me is when you can prevent serious cardiovascular diseases by early intervention. So identifying risk factors early, treating them and as such aborting major catastrophe in a family. That's the most rewarding thing for me. That's awesome. And that's why we wanted to kind of talk about this issue, just so that our listeners and even ourselves, we can look at the preventative part of that. And I think you were mentioning that we need to just go back to the various, I guess, manifestations of cardiac disease, heart disease. You know, when we talk about heart disease, we tend to use it as a general term. Mm -hmm. But heart disease, the different types of heart disease, because the heart is a pump. And in that pump, there are several different things that can go wrong or can be affected. So if we take the heart as a whole, there's blood that goes towards the heart, that feeds the heart, believe it or not. And those vessels that feed the heart, they can become clogged. 
And so that's what we call coronary artery disease, where you have people, the vessels that feed the heart, the pump, they are clogged. And that could lead to what we call acute coronary events. That could be a heart attack or even angina. Then you have the valves in the heart. People could be born with certain valvular problems, or as you grow older, the valves don't work as well. They may leak, or they may have a buildup of calcium on them such that they don't open as well. And so those people have valvular problems. Then you have some people who have congenital problems. They may have been born with, instead of four chambers in the heart, two chambers, or something that they were born with. So you have congenital heart problems. And then the other big group is some people have a problem with the pump in the heart. The heart doesn't pump as well as it should, and so they can develop certain conditions called a cardiomyopathy, where the heart doesn't pump very well, that can lead to congestive heart failure. And then finally, you have patients or that have rhythm problems, irregular rhythms or fast rhythms or slow rhythms. I'm sure you've heard about people needing a pacemaker mm -hmm. when the rhythm is too slow, they need a pacemaker or fast rhythm when the heart is beating too fast and they need something to slow it down or procedures to slow it down. So when we talk about heart disease, it's a vast array. But most of the time when we use the term, we very often refer referring to coronary artery disease okay. that where the vessels that feed the heart are blocked because there are certain risk factors that can predispose to that, some of which we've heard of before, high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, smoking, obesity, being inactive, all of these are risk factors that can predispose us to having coronary artery disease. Let me ask you this. I think you mentioned that, and I think I've read that, is heart disease the number one killer of men and women? It is. Heart disease, you're more likely to die from heart disease as a woman than being hit by a car wow. or breast cancer or any type of cancer. It is the leading cause of death among both men and women in the United States. I was not aware of that, and I think a lot of people are not aware of that. And then in particular, I was reading some statistics in terms of African-American women, cardiovascular disease kills about 50,000. And we were wondering, why is the risk so much higher in African-American women? Well, first of all, high blood pressure. You remember all the risk factors that I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. High blood pressure is very prevalent around African-American women. But the other thing about women in general, as you know, we tend to be multitaskers. We mm -hmm. can take care of the world. Mm -hmm. We, as wives, we take care of husbands, we take care of children, and we're very good at ensuring everybody else get taken care of, except us. Yeah. So we will take care of the children, make sure the kids go to their pediatrician, the husbands make sure they go to their doctors, but women don't take care of themselves as much. And as such, by the time they present, the disease is far gone wow. in women. So in other words, they're presenting later which means by the time they do the procedures, when they look at the vessels, they're much more significant disease in women. 
So then we need to be aware of, I guess, the signs and symptoms. Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up because the signs and symptoms could present differently in women. Mm. Because when you hear of, you always talk about, oh, if you're having chest pain, you need to go check it out. But women could be having heart problems and have no chest pain. So some of the unusual symptoms that women could have is abdominal pain Hmm. or shortness of breath, or they may just feel tired. And a lot of times, let's say things like shortness of breath or fatigue, the woman may attribute it to something else where I just had a hard day at work or I'm taking care of the children, I'm taking care of my husband, I'm just tired or I'm anemic, that's why I'm tired. Not recognizing that fatigue in itself Hmm. could be a sign that that heart is not getting enough blood flow due to some kind of obstruction. Wow. And I think you mentioned about women. We try to take care of everything. And we know some of the risk factors, diabetes, smoking, obesity. But then I was reading something about even stress and the lack of sleep, which a lot of people, a lot of women Mm kind of struggle with. Can you address that? Yeah. Well, sleep is right up my alley because I'm not sure if you knew, but I'm also a sleep physician. Oh, I didn't know that. (laughs) I'm also a sleep physician. And we now know, as a matter of fact, this article was published in the last month. If you get too little sleep or too much sleep, it can predispose you to having atherosclerosis or increased plaque in your blood vessels. Wow. So we need at least six to seven hours of sleep every day for that regeneration. People don't realize when you sleep, things regenerate. And if you don't get enough sleep, it can predispose to a lot of other cardiovascular problems, not just atherosclerosis, but we now know that there are certain disorders that you can have during sleep. For example, obstructive sleep apnea, where you stop breathing when you sleep, can predispose to high blood pressure. It can also predispose to arrhythmias, elevated blood glucose level, elevated cholesterol level. It can cause the blood to be thickened and so predispose you to having a stroke or heart attack. And worst case scenario, there are a lot of people who've died suddenly in their sleep from obstructive sleep apnea. So it is very crucial that we get good sleep. That is amazing. Thank you for shedding light on that. And what about the stress? Because I know a lot of women. Yes, because, you know, we don't recognize what happens in our bodies under Mm -hmm. stress. There are certain substances that are produced in the body. And now we know there's such a thing called stress cardiomyopathy, where these substances that are produced in the body causes the pump function of the heart to be affected. I'm sure you've heard of cases where a grandmother had a son that was involved in a motor vehicle accident or was hit by a car and she suddenly developed what we call Takasubo or stress cardiomyopathy. All of a sudden, her heart function was markedly decreased. And in these patients, 50% of them can recover and 50% just progresses. Wow. So stress is real. In other words, stress can cause real damage to the heart. And so it's important, even as part of prevention, we talk about de-stresses, things to do, you know, relaxation therapy. You know, if you have a hard day at work when you get home, just having that wind down time Mm -hmm. so that you are not constantly under stress because stress is real. It can cause real heart problems. 
Wow. So let me use myself for an example. When I was reading these risk factors, I have a lot of them. My blood sugar level has been elevated, but I've been exercising and it's been coming down. I could use lose some weight, have a family history of high blood pressure, mm-hmm. and sometimes I don't get enough sleep. <laughs> so what would you say to <laughs> someone like me? And to all the women listening, what can we do to kind of minimize our risk of heart disease? The first thing I would say is we all need to know what our numbers are. Okay. If you as a woman, you run the family, and if I come to your house at any point in time, you can tell me what's in the cupboard. You can tell me if you have enough bread, if you have enough milk, if you have enough sugar, because you run the family and you keep stock of all these things. Mm-hmm. Similarly, we need to keep stock of certain things. We need to know what our blood pressure is, what the cholesterol is, what your blood sugar is. All these things, it's important to know your numbers. So if I call you at 2 a.m. in the morning, I And I say, well, what's your blood pressure running? You should be able to tell me those numbers because you're keeping stock of it just like you would in your home, keeping stock of your inventory. So know your numbers. That's number one. And any number that is spurious, be determined about correcting it. If your blood pressure is high, start asking why. Am I taking in too much salt? Can Mm -hmm. I cut back on the salt that I'm adding to the foods? Am I exercising? What's my weight? Is it going up or down? Am I eating too much starch? Am I having a lot enough fiber in my diet so identify once we know the numbers identify those numbers that are off and be diligent about working on each one wow so that's the main thing knowing your numbers yes, is very important so what about our younger listeners before they even you know start checking their numbers what are some of the things that they can start doing now mm-hmm. to kind of prevent some of the issues that I you know I'm even experiencing you know that's a very good question because I always say uh, you know for the younger people you they may say well I'm too young but right. you it's important that you also know your family history mm-hmm. because genes play a role here gatherings such as Thanksgiving Christmas holiday times, as you're sitting around talking to Aunt Sue or Uncle Joe, as part of the conversation, try to find out what are some of the medical issues that they're dealing with, Mm -hmm. because that could give you a clue as to things that you may want to look out for. If you notice all your aunts have high blood pressure or all your diabetes run in your family, even as a young person, start watching your sugar content Mm -hmm. in terms of things, choices that you make in the grocery store. But the other thing that I think it's important to recognize is that there are certain risk factors that we can change and some we cannot change. We cannot give away our families, so we can't change our genetics. Mm -hmm. We can't change our sex, although now there's surgery that they can do that. But those things we can't change. But the things that we can change, blood pressure, Mm -hmm. we can have an impact on that, or blood sugar. We can exercise. We can lose weight. We can be more active. Mm -hmm. We can watch our cholesterol by watching the calories that we take. So I'd say the things that we can have control over or can change, those are the things that we need to impact. We can't give away mom and dad. We right. can just thank them for the dreams they gave us. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, because after I read some of these stats, I started exercising every day. That lasted for about a week. <laughs> so, so it's like, if, if, what do you say to the People who come and say, I just don't have time for exercise. Right. Well, you know what? I think that's because in most people's head, they think to exercise, I have to go somewhere. I have to get exercise clothes. I got to go to the gym. Mm-hmm. And I say, you don't have to do all those. 
at home. You don't have to pay to exercise. Like simple things. Mm -hmm. If you're looking at the news, you enjoy looking at MSNBC, Fox, or CNN, mm -hmm. whichever news outlet you choose to look at, you can decide instead of just sitting in a couch and look at the news, mm -hmm. I'll walk in place or work on a trampoline while I look at the news. Mm -hmm. So there you are accomplishing two things. You're looking at the news, your favorite news outlet, and at the same time getting some exercising in the afternoon. So instead of sitting, just exercise while you watch the news. That's great, because I could watch TV and get exercise at the same time. <laughs> awesome. So I got a couple of questions. Someone wanted me to ask you, does coffee increase your risk of heart attack? And so that goes back to the whole diet. Should we eat more fruits and vegetables? What kind of practical things can we do mm -hmm. in terms of our diet? Well, th there's lots of studies showing that the Mediterranean diet that's filled with fruits and vegetables and a lot of natural proteins is, mm -hmm. is good. And in terms of coffee or caffeine, caffeine by itself wouldn't cause a heart attack, but okay. caffeine is a stimulant. Mm. And depending, we talked already about different types of heart disease. Like if you have arrhythmias, mm -hmm. stimulants can aggravate that. So if you have arrhythmia as a problem, you would want to stay away from caffeine because caffeine mm. can make that worse especially if you have problems with your heart racing or having right. arrhythmia, fast arrhythmias. Wow. I did not know that. I have to watch my coffee intake now. So what's more important, proper diet or exercise? Well, both, because they go together. And that's why if you are trying to lose weight and you're just doing it just based on diet without an exercise part of that, mm -hmm. it's not as effective as if it's combined okay. because you have to be active. So even if you're eating all the fruits and vegetables, it's important to get moving too. Okay. Mm -hmm. And two more questions. Sure. What is the importance of our relationship with our physicians? Because mm -hmm. I know you mentioned sometimes when women go to the doctor, it's at the later stage. And how do we develop that kind of relationship with our physicians that will kind of help us manage some of these issues? I, th I think it's important when you go to the physician or your physician, I always tell people, be prepared for the visit. I love when people come and they have a sheet of paper with their questions because I have questions too, but I love when they have questions. Mm -hmm. It makes me realize that they want to be a part of their health because some people bring articles for me mm. that they think that I may not have read. <laughs> <laughs> clippings, <laughs> clippings from the newspaper, and I appreciate yeah. that because I think the visit to the doctor should also be educational mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because you should leave knowing something possibly that you didn't know before, and not just knowing it, but purpose in your heart to put it in action, mm -hmm. whether it's to exercise more, at least 30 minutes, five days a week, or watching your salt if you have high blood pressure, if you have diabetes, learning how to make the right choices in terms of the food groups, if based on your particular heart problem, knowing specific things that would help. And I think it's important to, in terms of the relationship with your physician, to be very open and honest. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a problem with something, share that with the doctor. You know, let's say you have been trying to quit smoking for a long time. Mm -hmm. You stop for a month and then you do one or do two. You say, Doc, I'm struggling in this area. Could you help me? Because there may be things that the doctor could recommend to have you 
stop smoking completely. Sure. When you sometimes when we try on our own, it doesn't always. That's why now you have bariatric surgery, and that's because people who have been obese, they've tried every single diet in the book, they exercise, and they're still unable to lose weight. Yeah. And so now there is surgical intervention that can help them on okay. that process and so mitigate some of the risk factors that they may have as a result of their diabetes. Thank you. That is awesome. And are there any resources that you would recommend for women to kind mm -hmm. of take advantage of, to kind of help them sure. manage this? The immediate past president of the Association of Black Cardiology. Okay. And there's a website, abcardio.org. And on that website, there are lots of resources available in terms of the diet and everything that they would need to help them. Thank you. All right. That, this has been awesome. I've learned a lot. Thank you so, so much. Our book recommendation this week is Patti LaBelle's Light Cuisine, 100 Original Recipes for Healthy Meals. And Patty can throw down. I love Patty's pies. I'm sorry. I have to have those every now and then. But this cookbook actually gives us all our favorites, like mac and cheese, sweet potato pies, things that we like to eat, but it's the light version. So she uses recipes that are healthy, maybe more olive oil instead of butter. And it's a lot healthier for you, but we can still enjoy some of the foods we like. So check it out. Our book recommendation this week is Patti LaBelle's Light Cuisine Cookbook. Check it out and create some nice, healthy meals. So please join us on 7sisterspeak.com. And that's S-E-V-E-N-S-I-S. T-A-H-S-S-P-E-A-K.com as well as 7sisterspeak at gmail.com. Shoot us an email, give us some comments, feedback, questions, as well as link with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks again for listening and we will catch you next time. 7 Sisters Speak, the voice of women who look like us.